Hello, everyone. Welcome into Ron's Waveland, the Athletic Chicago Cubs podcast. I am Michael Beller, coming out from behind the producing glass, sitting in for Brett Taylor as the host on this episode of Onto Waveland, joined, of course, by Sahadev Sharma and Patrick Mooney. Guys, we are now uh, 24 hours or so after the MLB trade deadline. The Cubs were a, a pretty busy team. We're going to start there. Uh, but first, let's start with how you guys doing today. Oh, you know, e-learning is a delight and <laughs> it's making me so much more sane, I'm sure. All the all the anxieties that we already were dealing with in life are just exponentially greater now that we have young children dealing with e-learning. Uh, but other than that, just great. <laughs> Nothing like amplifying your anxieties, right? That's a lot of fun. <laughs> but I'm surviving. I'm, I'm I'm doing well. I'll I'll I'll, I'll make it through. <laughs> uh, what about you, Patrick? How you doing? I'm good, guys. You know, we are at uh, September first. Uh, it was nice to kind of get the trade deadline uh, out of the way and kind of see what. Uh, this Cubs team team can do here in the last uh, the last month of the season. <laughs> the last month of this two month regular season. It was a busy trade deadline. I mean, I don't think any of us knew exactly what to expect going into it. I thought there would, of course, be activity. These teams are still playing for something in this twenty twenty season, but I did not think we would see the quantity of deals that we saw get done or the quality of players we saw get moved of course the big deal was Mike Clevenger going from Cleveland to San Diego and you know perhaps some of his uh, indiscretions from earlier in the season when the Indians were in Chicago played a little bit into that but still to put together a deal for one of the six or seven at worst best starting pitchers in baseball I just didn't think that that was going to be something teams could get together on we saw the the Padres make a ton of moves we saw the Blue Jays make a ton of moves the Mariners the Marlins, all those teams very active, and the Cubs were pretty active as well in the days leading up to the deadline, starting with that Jose Martinez deal. They ended up acquiring four players, Jose Martinez and Cameron Mabin as bats, Josh Osich and Andrew Chafin to bolster the bullpen. We knew going into the deadline that they were going to be active in trying to find some left-handed arms for the bullpen. Looking at the guys that they did acquire, Sahadev, how would you grade the Cubs and Theo Epstein, Jed Hoyer, on how they did at the deadline? Yeah, I mean, the, the, none of these guys on paper would you truly expect, especially with Chafin kind of coming back from injury, being like a huge impact, guys. But we've, we've said that before with like Jesse Chavez and then the guy dominates, right? I, I think the Cubs, I trust the Cubs at the deadline. I trust the way they evaluate these guys. I'd give them like a B since they addressed obvious needs and they and we knew they weren't going to go and get like big fish and big money guys. We just we already knew that. So with that with that caveat in mind, uh, you know, this isn't like a home run obvious upgrades where now they're a significantly better team. But I do think that they addressed obvious flaws and these guys should be able to help them. Uh, I think there's some, you know, little things that you you need to go their way for this to really be impactful, but I wouldn't be shocked if one or more of these guys were really significant contributors down the stretch. Yeah, I was kind of shocked, you know, that a team like the White Sox that hasn't made the playoffs since 2008, uh, they got, what, Jared Dyson, and then just said, you know what, we're good, and you know, I think the Cubs are kind of graded on pass-fail here, and that they did 
something, and I think that meant a lot, you know, what Jed Hoyer said, that we had to kind of honor the sacrifices these players have made and how well uh, they followed Major League Baseball's health and safety protocols. And, you know, it will be an incomplete grade as well because we all kind of knew, you know, their financial situation and the directives coming down from ownership uh, and, and the business side. But I thought it was interesting listening to the Zooms, how Cubs players talked about Jose Martinez, because that's always how I felt covering those games, you know, particularly at Bush Stadium, you know, those games that always seem to go down to the ninth inning and the Cardinals always seem to have these kind of players that come up and, you know, do stuff uh, for them. And he, no doubt, um, you know, would come up with these, you know, big hits and, and do damage and, Part of me just felt like that was as a kind of beat writer under deadline of like not always paying attention. And whenever I looked up, he'd do something. But when Ian Happ, Jason Hayward, and David Ross all said the exact same things, I felt, you know, uh, pretty confident in that assessment there. Well, let's talk about those hitters then for a second. Jose Martinez and Cameron Mabin. Jose Martinez, I feel like if the DH were in the National League a couple of years ago, could still be on the Cardinals. Just a guy who they were never able to find a spot to hide his glove. Couldn't really hack it at first base. Couldn't really hack it at a corner outfield spot. So he eventually goes to the AL, goes to Tampa. And now back in the NL where he does have a DH spot. So have to figure that's where he's mostly going to play for the Cubs. Cameron Mabin, we know, even into his mid-30s, still a very capable center fielder can play basically anywhere in the outfield how are we expecting these two guys to fit into what the Cubs are going to do day to day in the lineup and in the field and who do we think loses playing time with the addition of these two guys if anyone significantly loses playing time with Martinez I I mean that came along with the uh with the DFA of Josh Fegley so I'm wondering if uh how much DH time we're going to see from Victor Caratini uh lefties I mean against lefties I think Jose Martinez is in that lineup every day I mean there's no like I I mean why else would you get him right uh mm-hmm. that's what Hoyer essentially said Hoyer admitted he doesn't make out the lineups but I, I think that's the plan here Martinez is a I mean Patrick was kind of describing it but he's really he's a pest up there you're it's hard he's hard to put away uh, right now, I think he's striking out a little bit more than he normally does, and, and there's a like elevated swing and miss. But I, you know, that's uh, Hoyer also made the point, and I think it's 100 percent right. It's really hard to look at these numbers and say like we know what we're getting. It's really hard to look at 2020 numbers and say this is who this guy is. Right? Numbers don't stabilize uh, after a month of play. So. So I think, uh, you know, look at his last season, look at how he faces lefties over his career. He's I think it's like a 150 weighted runs created plus above that against lefties. He crushes them. He's you're going to look at him. If you don't know the type of player he is, you're going to look at him and think he's a big power guy. No, this is a contact guy that's going to slap the ball to all fields. Hopefully gets him in the gap. I think he I think offensively he he should help a lot against lefties maybe not as much it's a little weird uh when you look at his splits he doesn't hit lefties that hard also a guy that it's really difficult to look at his entire career Lindsay Adler our Yankees writer wrote a great deep dive on him last year he's one of those guys that kind of went into the launch angle thing and and he really changed his swing around now this is a guy that was a top ten pick, uh, part of the Miguel Cabrera trade. If I'm not, uh, if I'm yep. right there, I think it was him and Andrew mm-hmm. Miller. So it was a huge trade, you know, a decade or so ago. Uh, 
and and he was a big he was a centerpiece of that you know speed guy center field uh so he was taught to hit the ball you know just make contact put the ball in play and get on base uh he always thought he had power when his career was kind of starting to fade he decided to kind of go with the trend and and it worked last year go look at his numbers with the yankees he was a power guy he had a real nice numbers you know nothing like eye popping he's not going to you know, he's not going to be at the top of the way to runs created list, but I think it was like a 120, 125 way to runs created. You take that with the defense. He basically replaces Elmora. Uh, I, I like the deal for both of those guys. This is also a great makeup guy. I mean, you talk about clubhouse and, and making sure that the guys are focused. Uh, that's a veteran that wants to win. I'm sure. I'm not sure if he has a ring, but I'm sure he wants one. He'll take it in this 60 game season. Another guy that I think just adds a great, uh, uh, great vibe to the clubhouse and he's going to be a you know late game defender in center field all those little things that Elmora did but hopefully better uh, and just maybe not better defensively maybe equal to uh, Elmora defensively but I like both of those moves uh, you know as smaller moves I really think maybe uh, don't look at the numbers this year because I think uh, he's trending in the right direction and I, I think the offense could be better than what you saw of that first month. Let me just jump in really quickly here, Patrick, two things. First of all, he does have a ring. He was a deadline acquisition of the Astros in 2017, so he's got himself one ring. And those numbers that you referenced, Zahadev, with uh, with the Yankees last year, 285, 364, 494, with 11 homers and just about 270 plate appearances. Those are just not the sorts of numbers we saw from Cameron Maben at any point of his career. So really did remake himself on the fly and did it in his age 32 season. That's the sort of guy that the Cubs are getting right now. Yeah, I think you know the Cubs kind of seemingly do this every year of trying to prepare for worst case scenarios and they didn't get that big name. They weren't fishing, you know, in in the deepest part of the trade deadline to use a Jet Hoyer uh analogy, but I think it's safe to say they're a better team on September 1st than they were at the end uh, of August. And that's kind of the whole point of this. I mean, looking at a lot, the lineup one through nine, looking at the roster one through 28, I, I definitely think they're better position. I mean, so how you alluded to, I mean, Kevin Maben has been working closely with Jason Hayward, uh, the players Alliance, Jose Martinez, you know, his father uh, had a nice big league career. He grew up around the game. Uh, I think, you know, they get bring some nice uh, intangibles here. And, you know, Hayward said it, you know, it's always great to add depth. That's kind of the nature of the beast this year. And, you know, knock on wood, the Cubs have done a, a great job with this. But um, you, know, you really have no idea when, you know, that next phone call might come or the next round of testing where you're kind of scrambling here. And I do think the Cubs, you know, are – you know, much better positioned, you know, for September here. You talk about um, Cameron Mabin being the Albert Elmora replacement, and that's looking pretty literal with Elmora being sent out to South Bend. Um, on the other side of what they did leading up to the deadline, we talk about Osich and we talk about Chafin. Chafin still, I think, officially on the IL uh, for the time being, but you had those two guys to Kyle Ryan, and you've got those lefties now. How do we think that David Ross is going to attack lefties that the Cubs end up facing how do we think he's going to end up using these new left-handed resources uh, that he has available to him Kyle Ryan you know really nice story last year the velocity has dipped a little but I think it's it's starting to pop back up uh, he's never going to miss bats he's just never gonna he's not the type of lefty that you say I feel comfortable using him in a big situation in the eighth inning right 
it, yes, it, it's worked to an extent. I just think he's more the type of guy you bring in when it's like first and second, no outs, seventh inning. We need that ground ball right now, and he's in the lefties up. Let's bring him in for that or sixth inning or something like that. You need a big strikeout. I don't know if you if you call Kyle. I mean, I know you don't call Kyle Ryan, but that's really the only guy that they had an option for with with lefties. Uh, Chafin is a guy that I think, you know, he's going to be in the IL. I think Jed basically said it was going to be a couple weeks optimistically before he's activated. So they need to kind of evaluate him, see what, where he's at, uh, and then get him on a throwing program and get him back. Uh, the deal was structured that I know people are like, well, there's not much time left. The deal was structured in a way that I believe that, uh, you know, they don't give up uh, much of anything, if anything at all, other than some money if he doesn't really perform this year, if he doesn't come back, if that injury lingers or whatever. Uh, so, so I don't, so don't, it's not like they gave something up there uh, for nothing. If he, if he's out for the rest of the mm -hmm. year, it's just one of those things that he's probably that impact lefty from what I've heard. And I've talked to people that have watched him a lot. They've been watching him because I, I heard rumblings about him last year as well. He can be very frustrating. Fans are going to get frustrated because he'll go 0-2, and then all of a sudden it'll be 3-2, and it'll be a battle. But he's got a nasty slider. It's a swing and miss pitch. When he's locked in, he's a high-leverage lefty out of the bullpen. I mean, that's. He's a, I think he's a potentially impact add if he's healthy and locked in, and those are two keys, obviously. But I think he can really get the job done from the left side. Osich is interesting. He uh, was with the White Sox last year, really upped his cutter usage. Uh, they like his sinker. I've heard that there are guys in the org uh, that loved him even when he was at San Francisco. Uh, so they've had an eye on him for a while. That cutter usage has really uh, helped him out, especially against lefties. He gets lefties out easily uh, right now. And I think uh, they, they like him enough that they think they can use the two-seamer more against lefties and also the, the combination of those weapons they have away in their eyes, they envision him being able to get righties out too. So obviously in today's game, you can't just be a loogie unless uh, the opposing manager has stacked up their lefties. It's going to be real difficult to get that done. Uh, so so I think I think they envision him being able to get out righties. Let's see. I know he can get out lefties, but there's a reason he's got that elevated ERA. There's a reason he's been uh, traded for a little uh, and he's kind of bounced around the league the last couple of years. Uh, but it, this happens a lot with relievers. You notice a couple of good things about them. Tommy Hottaby loves to preach, use your best pitch, lean on your best pitch. If that's the case with him and that's the cutter, uh, I think we're going to see a lot of cutter two-seamer with him. Uh, but l let's see how they use him and how they manipulate his pitch usage because they've done that before. Don't forget Brad Wick last year for a month. That guy didn't have a curveball really that he trusted until he came to the Cubs. They, they experimented with him, and he came up, and he was really good for a month. Uh, obviously, they, they'd love to get that out of someone like uh, Osich. One more name to remember, uh, A.J. Ramos. Uh, I realize there's an element here of the Cubs just throwing stuff against the wall to see what sticks, and it's been a long time since he's pitched uh, in the big leagues. But I thought it was telling the way Ross responded to a question about Ramos. There are times where he can be – uh, dismissive of questions like that of players at South Bend and uh, you know his mentality is well who can help us win tonight and you know Ramos uh, believe is supposed to throw in South Bend today uh, he won't be helping the Cubs tonight in Pittsburgh but uh, all-star pe pedigree um, I think almost 100 career 
saves and uh you know ross said he had talked to people uh with the dodgers and kind of gave some specifics about what he had been doing and what they had uh been seeing obviously the dodgers have had a ton of success uh with their own pitching infrastructure they don't have a ton of space uh up on their active major league roster so you know we thought maybe Kelvin Herrera and he got released, you know, uh, what was it last week? Uh, Cody Allen hasn't, you know, made a dent yet. Um, but like Sahadev saying here, you know, the Cubs have kind of wrung some unexpected results out of guys who maybe, you know, we were thought were finished. And, you know, if this guy can recapture, you know, what he had, you know, with the Marlins, you know, it could be really interesting uh, in the last couple of weeks of the season. With, with Ramos, too, you know, he's a righty, but I think his best pitch is a changeup. So I would assume that they think he can get lefties out with that changeup, and that's why they like him and, and kind of added him. Uh, I think it's an interesting add for sure. A guy that, you know, has – I'm pretty sure – you said he was an all-star, so he. Was, I'm pretty sure he was a closer with the Marlins too. So he's. I think, and I think uh, just the month that we've had with Ross, month plus that we've had with Ross, I think he loves that. He loves when a guy has worked high leverage innings and has that experience. It gives him a little bit of ease to you know push that guy out there in an eighth inning situation. It's the same thing. Why he loves Jeffress. He knows Jeffress has closed games. Uh, Tapera, same thing. You know, he Tapera proved him wrong, and and that's a guy that's worked high leverage innings before. He's like, okay, go out there. I can trust you. You've done it before. He doesn't have to kind of experiment. I, I think he really likes the experience of if guys have proved it. They they go out there and they get it done in the big moments. Yeah, from uh, 2015 through 2017, AJ Ramos saved. 99 games in that uh, 2016 All-Star season. He had 40 saves, a 2.81 ERA, 73 strikeouts in 64 innings. So has definitely been a useful pitcher previously in his career. Cubs hope he can do that again, perhaps some point in 2020. Uh, We're going to talk about that uh, Pittsburgh series and some reinforcements potentially on the way for the Cubs in this Pittsburgh series. But first, got to hear from a couple sponsors. The first it's Manscaped, guys. Manscaped's got you covered to keep your hair looking nice and trimmed and you feeling fully supported. The premium lawnmower 3.0 is waterproof, includes an LED light, and is made with advanced skin-safe technology, which reduces nicks and cuts. You can get this trimmer inside the Perfect Package 3.0, which also includes a Manscaped Crop Preserver and the Crop Reviver, both super practical. Apparently, they smell great, too. Plus, for a limited time, when you order the Perfect Package kit, you get two free gifts, the Shed Travel Bag and the Manscaped Anti-chafing boxer briefs always coming in handy when you are watching the Cubs try to close down a lead late. Uh, get 20% off and free shipping with the code VATHLETIC20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com using the code VATHLETIC20. We're going to get to that Pittsburgh series and those reinforcements right after this. All right, guys, Cubs kicking off a three-game set in Pittsburgh against the lowly Pirates on Tuesday night. And we're not going to officially say that Chris Bryant will be back for the game on Tuesday, but all signs certainly point to KB getting back in the lineup in that game. Yeah, we talk about Jose Martinez and guys like that being added to help against the lefties. I mean, I think the key to uh, thriving against lefties are the guys that are already on the roster that have been here all along. Uh, KB's got to be healthy. If he's healthy and uh, it sounds like they kind of let him know, like, hey, this is on you to tell us when you're ready to play. You got to you got to we're going to trust you 
to let us know that this thing isn't this wrist isn't bothering you and you're ready to go and it, it you know when when they talk about like kind of KB being positive and and feeling good I think those are good signs because I think he's he just doesn't I mean wrists are tough in the first place he's had some pretty I know they're people think they're small injuries but they're kind of key to hitting you know like it's been the 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 front shoulder like that saps power a uh, wrist saps power uh i believe it was his back knee uh last year at one point those all those are all like really important he's got this weird swing as it is really unique swing the way it works like one little thing is off it's going to throw everything off it's not like i know people are like ah he's got to play through it nobody's playing 100 percent. sure nobody's playing 100 percent. but i think these are different than just nagging injuries i think they're you know they're not bumps and bruises that you suffer throughout the season they're they're real injuries that he needs to maybe just sit and and, and heal from and i think they made they finally made the right decision of putting him on the il I hope he's coming back uh, near 100%. You never know if he's 100% or what. And I think that's part of baseball, right? You always talk about uh, you're at this point in the season, once you're into May, which basically this is, right? Once you're into May or June, once you get into the summer, it's like nobody's 100% anymore. Uh, so I, I think he's a big key. Uh, obviously, he's their former MVP, arguably their best player when he's playing at his best. Um, there are others, obviously Javi and Wilson need to start hitting just in general. Cause it's, it's getting a little, uh, ugly to watch them at the plate. Uh, but KB is so important to this team, uh, kind of just, uh, it, it, it creates that depth too, where you can kind of deploy Bodie against a, a lefty late or something like that. And, and it, uh, I, I think it just makes everything better, uh, with the team, uh, He's a, the defense, everything, everything just kind of improves with him. But I, I, I'd like to hope that um, the way Jed made it sound yesterday was one of those things that uh, stood out to me. The way he said, like, you know, we, we let him know he's got to tell us when he's ready to go. And I think that's a big factor here. If he says he's ready to go, if he feels right and he's not feeling anything and he's not hesitating uh, with that swing, that's something that he kept saying. He like he needs his body to tell him that he can swing, right? He was taking those 50% swings and he wasn't finishing his swing. I think that that's uh, that's the bottom line here. If he feels like he can swing, like he uh, knows he can, uh, we could get a pretty big month from Chris Bryant. I know fans are down on him, but don't don't count him out. We've seen, we've seen him go on a tear before. Health is the key. We talked about this a couple episodes ago with Brett of how the Cubs are in a great position even without getting much from Chris Bryant or Javier Baez and you know we uh <laughs> trying to psychoanalyze that of what it means for their future are they pressing uh how healthy or not is Chris Bryant and you know I think Jed alluded to this yesterday of how hard it is when you're acquiring players off of you know 20 something games or, or 30 games, whatever it is that, you know, we would not be freaking about out about Chris Bryan and Javier Baez. If this was like, uh, you know, May 5th or something like that. And obviously you can't just assume things are going to even out over the course of 60 games. But, you know, if you get those two guys kind of doing more of what they're uh, expected to Ross suddenly has a lot more options when he's filling out his lineup or when he's looking down uh, 
at his bench. And, you know, you really see the rest of the National League Central kind of receding here that it'll be really interesting to see if the, if the Reds somehow get it together. You know, they didn't really last weekend in, in Cincinnati. Uh, the, I think the Cubs play the Pirates seven times in September. Uh, the Cardinals have something like six doubleheaders in maybe nine days, 10 days, whatever it is, it's something insane. And there's another doubleheader like the last week of the season. Um, and yeah, the Brewers, what they traded, traded David Phelps. So they're like not quite all in, uh, though they've certainly surprised us in September before. So yeah, I mean, this is kind of a division that's there for the taking the front office, you know, recognize that, uh, at the trade deadline. And now it's kind of up to them to see how far they can go. Yeah, the, um, the Cubs have a three-game lead in the division right now. It's the Cardinals who are the first team back of them. And the Cardinals only played 26 games to this point of the season as we head into play on Tuesday. The Cubs, the Brewers, they've played 34. The Reds have played 35. So, you know, Cardinals still have a lot of ground to make up just in terms of games played. The Reds not throwing in the towel just yet. They made a pretty big acquisition, uh, bringing over Archery Bradley from the Diamondbacks on deadline day. And that bullpen has absolutely crushed them uh, for all the – for all the understandable complaints that Cubs fans have had, the Reds really haven't gotten anything reliable out of the bullpen. Rysel Iglesias has been up and down. Michael Lorenzen has been a total mess, and they were really counting on him to be um, a, a big-time part of the back of their bullpen. We know what happened with Pedro Strope. So it's a team that has had some serious bullpen issues, and Archie Bradley should help address that. So I don't think we can write them off just yet, but still a nice cushion for the Cubs in the Central uh, as we head into play on Tuesday. And those seven games against the 10-22 and 22 Pirates definitely aren't going to hurt the Cubs, or at least we don't expect them to hurt the Cubs. One other guy who I think we should mention before we wrap things up here is Steven Souza. He uh, appears to be on his way back as well. Sort of duplicative skill sets, though, right, with, um, with Jose Martinez. When I first saw the trade, I wondered... Well, is there something going on with Souza that the Cubs aren't talking about? Is this uh, is this hamstring issue worse than um, they're making it sound to be? But it does sound like he is going to be back, uh, hitting just 190, 292, 429 in his uh, very brief time so far this season, just 24 plate appearances. But when he does come back with the acquisition of Martinez and with Maben now in the fold, what role should he be expected to play? I think that's going to be interesting. We haven't specifically asked Ross about that yet, um, but... You know, we've talked to we haven't talked much about Hayward today, but Hayward has been brilliant, right? And he yes. he actually has played played a decent amount against lefties, but you know the numbers aren't good against lefties. But you play him, how much do you sit him and let Souza play right field? Do you go like straight platoon? Do you start sitting Schwarber more against lefties? Uh, get Mabin in center and Hap in left I don't, and, and have Sousa in right against a lefty starter. I'm just throwing ideas out here. I don't I don't mm-hmm. know if Ross would do that. Uh, that's That would be an aggressive way to go about it, have Jose Martinez as the DH against lefties and, and have that outfield alignment. I, I It'll be interesting, but it's just another weapon against lefties. I mean, you mentioned Sousa's numbers right there. I think they're much better against lefties. He's had some pretty big hits this season. Uh, it looked like he was just getting finding his offensive rhythm right before he got hurt. So hopefully this isn't some lingering hamstring issue and he can find that rhythm again. But uh, he could be uh, uh, like an X factor type guy. We've said this so much, but I look at it on paper and I, I like this offense a lot. And I like the way they kind of diversified it with 
Maben and, and Martinez. So hopefully it's enough to kind of as frustrating as the group can be, kind of make it a little more complete. It's not as it's not as diverse as we'd want it to be with more contact hitters and, and guys that can put the ball in play. But uh, I, I think ultimately they're the team that we saw Sunday when they're at their best, which is grind pitchers down, take a ton of walks and slug the ball out of the field and just, you know, embarrass the opposition with your power and your patience, right? That's how the, the best that they're going to look. I think they're not going to be, you know, single, 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 walk, 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 single and double, right? That's just unlikely to be their game. Uh, so, so yeah, I, I'm curious to see how Sousa fits in, but there are pieces here when I and we've said this for so long, so I don't I, I just want to keep caveating that that I know that it can just all fall apart in a second. But it looks really interesting on on paper how they can kind of put it together with offense. Sahade, we all know during the Cardinals series, you're going to look at me or message me be like, yeah, I think I'm going to do some like a what's wrong with the offense type piece because <laughs> we all know the Cardinals are going to do that to them. Whether or not the Cardinals win the series, they're going to be these frustrating <laughs> moments watching this Cubs offense. Yeah. I'll just leave it right there, as Brett would say. Uh, I think that's a perfect place to uh, to leave it for, for this episode of Onda Waveland. So Cubs kicking off. A three-gamer gamer against the Pirates in Pittsburgh tonight. And then there's that series looming on the weekend. Cubs-Cardinals back at Wrigley Field. And we'll be back with you later this week to talk about all of that. Uh, I'm Michael Beller, joined, of course, by Saadif Sharma and Patrick Mooney. Check out their work at The Athletic. And Brett Taylor may not be with us today, but yeah, check out his work at Bleacher Nation, too. Uh, always uh, doing great work. For the Cubs fans, uh, we'll be back with you sometime later this week, Thursday or Friday, still nailing that down. Until then, uh, have a great day. Thanks for listening. Enjoy all the Cubs action coming to you again in this series with Pittsburgh. We'll talk to you later. Bye.